depending on who you talk to, well, what affiliation you have religiously, you'll come away with a variety of answers to the question, what is true Christianity? Now, if you really want to know what true Christianity is, you'll need look no further than how God has expressed it. And he's used the Apostle Paul to do it. Here in Philippians chapter 2, verses 17 through 30, Paul does just that. He showcases two amazing men of God. You want an idea as to what true Christianity looks like, how it's expressed? Then stick around. Join us as we explore true Christianity from two different lives. Here's Pastor Chris Gordon with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace in Philippians chapter 2, looking at verses 17 through 30. Paul's saying, listen, it's, it's very rare when God does, and, and, and God has been faithful in doing this all over the place, but to find this kind of commitment of someone in the life of the church who genuinely and truly cares for the needs of others. Timothy was of that kind. We expose false pastors all the time, and pastors take it on the head all the time, even good ones. But it is important to stand back and look at good examples among us. Timothy, coming to them, would bring forth a servant who would labor in every way to, sh- to show concern about the church and to give himself to the ministry of the word so that these kind of problems and fires would be put out. He would put his life on the line and travel to these places and churches and stay to help struggling churches, brothers and sisters who were facing internal problems, number one, and then facing, which remember what we've said is the thesis here. The internal problems were driven by the pressure of a persecution in the culture coming at the church. So much cultural stuff and attack on Christians was happening. And it was affecting how the people were becoming. This is a big moment for us, beloved, in the church in America right now. This is exactly what's happened in America. All the external pressure, all the fear, all the division. Um, Our holiday's over, by the way, as Christians in America. What has that done in the church? It's caused a lot of panic, turmoil, fear. And what, what Paul is saying here is, this is... One of the great examples to show you how God works. He sends you pastors. You know, think of the long line of pastors in this church. Think of all the way back to Joe May's father, Reverend Rorda, to Reverend Howersile, Reverend Kaminga, Reverend Voss, Reverend Donovan. Now, uh, tonight I just prayed and he's sending you another that will minister to your needs, Reverend Contreras. That's a huge encouragement it should be to you. It's God's work. (laughs) And sincere pastors bring the mind of Jesus to bear down on the congregation. So they care about that. To encourage you. To help you. You know, I think this is is meant to say to people who are constantly asking, (laughs) what do I do? How do I live out my faith? What am I supposed to do now? What is a true Christian? And everyone is saying to me right now, we got to fight. We got to fight. 
I hear this all the time. You want to know how to fight? It's with a whole different set of, of weapons. We are to look at these examples and see what we are to be in the body of Christ. You know, turn over to chapter 4 for a minute. You'll see it. It's building to this. I think this is kind of the crucial reason the whole book was written. If you look at um, verse 2, here's the heart of it. You don't just name people in the New Testament unless something big's going on. Paul names two saints. He names a lot of people in the scripture who are wolves, by the way. We get all mad at that today, but the scripture does it frequently. But notice here, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. There it is. A rift had happened and there was a big fight and there were women who had separated out and factions had happened in the church and this, all this was building to this. And, and so what is his solution? Yes, I ask you also, true companion. So that's a, a name of someone he's pulling out. Help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellows, fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> See, there he grabs it and he says, this is what pastors were sent to do and now this is your responsibility in the body of Christ. Help one another. Help one another. So this is, this is an important, have we, uh, have we seen problems of people loving one another? Or do we engage in the gossip? Have we, have we seen rifts and divisions? Have we had conflict? You got a great purpose. Okay, pastor, that's the pastors. That's the pastors. You're holding up the pastors with the responsibility. Um, we're just laymen. Well, don't say that too quickly. Now we're going to meet a guy named Epaphroditus. And this is a good layman. Notice what is said in verse 25 about Epaphroditus. Yet, I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker. This is, um, this is verse 25. And fellow soldier. Amazing he calls him that. And your messenger and minister to my need. Now listen. For he's been longing for you all and has been distressed. Because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, not only on him, but me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Receive him. Notice what he says there. I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy. And honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Okay. Who was Epaphroditus? <laughs> um, Paul has a lot of things to say about this guy. Gets a lot of good things said about him. He's a brother in the Lord. He's a fellow worker. He's a fellow soldier. And... Notice here, the Philippians' messenger to minister to Paul. So here's what happened. Epaphroditus was a, was a very given member in the life of the congregation. 
Somebody who you knew in the life of the congregation that was a servant. And so they knew that this would be the guy that would be willing to put his life on the line and go to Paul and take the Philippian gift to Paul because Paul's in prison and they didn't feed people in prison. So on behalf of the congregation, they said, Epaphroditus, servant, are you willing to go? Of course I'm willing to go. Later in chapter 4, Paul will say, there was no church when I was in prison and I'm suffering. No church so far who has shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. I mean, this church was really a good church. You see why he's so burdened. But the devil got in and is dividing the thing. Only the church in Philippi, 800 miles, came, 800 miles, came to meet Paul's need. They didn't have airplanes. In cultures, prisons didn't, prisoners didn't get food. It, was, it wasn't like our prison system where we pay tax dollars to pay for the prisoner's care. They would die there. And they didn't care if they died. Food and necessity was absolute, as an absolute necessity was needed to, to survive in prison. So Epaphroditus says, I'll do it. I'll travel 800 miles, and I'm going to bring Paul food and relief from your love as a church for him. Paul was so overwhelmed by that. That's chapter 4. We'll get there. But on the way, the guy becomes sick. He got really sick doing this. Think about our, our times right now. Everyone's afraid of getting sick. He put himself in the line. And it was almost unto death, says Paul. This man risked his life to go do this. I mean, this was hard. 800 miles, this is this not like traveling today. Because Epaphroditus was full of love for this church and for Paul, I'll go. He risked his life to fulfill the commitment and bring what was needed to sustain the life of an apostle. <laughs> That's no little service. In those days, people just didn't recover. They didn't have medicines. You got sick you, like this? Because Paul says it was, it was to death. You got sick? You didn't go get, get medicine? You can go get vaccines? This was a sickness to death he put his life on the line for to help Paul. And Paul was distressed. And the church was distressed. And so Paul got on his knees. Please help him. And Paul says, guess what God did? He helped him. He had mercy on him. He got well. We should think a little bit like that more today, I think. Not only on him, but God helped us too, me too, because I would have had sorrow upon sorrow in prison if I knew that this guy was bringing the gift and then he dies on the way. I couldn't handle that. Look at the love in the body. <laughs> you see how this is just selfless. It's being presented to you. 
The point is, look at this brother's service. He gives his life. He almost dies in the midst of his sickness. All he cared about was fulfilling his mission to help Paul. And yet through it, he longed in soul to go home to his church because he knew that they were mourning over his sickness. Epaphroditus. I got to get home. Epaphroditus is a (laughs) no-name. This is really amazing that he gets inscripturated like this. No one ever talks about Epaphroditus. Paul says in verse 30, he almost dies for the sake of Christ, not regarding his own life. So so wait a minute. Apostle, my life is being poured out on the sacrifice and service of of your faith. No, no, that's not just for apostles. (laughs) Same thing Epaphroditus did. That's the mind of a servant. Welcome to the mind of a servant. It's awesome Christianity, by the way. You know? It's really awesome. Imagine the effects such a thing would bring. And again, I I speak to myself. We all struggle with, um, with caring for ourselves first. This is why you have passages like this. This is our problem. (laughs) This is what we do. My greatest problem is caring for myself. I understand that. And I know you do too. You struggle with that. But imagine this. Fear came upon the world when Christians who lived this way, they saw the care. I don't know if we'll ever get to a point like the first century, but this is why the book of Acts started saying, you know, they had to start giving up their own possessions to help one another because things were that hard. This is the Christian life. You don't need to be a Paul, Apostle Paul. You don't need to be a Timothy. I think Epaphroditus is the strongest example outside of Jesus here right now in in the book of Philippians for a purpose. You know, I get calls uh, about the church. And every time I get questions like, well, what does your church have to offer? Tell me about the programs you got. Do you have a children's ministry? Do you have children's church? Do you, do you sing contemporary music? I, I, this is like endless as a pastor. Rarely have I got somebody to say, you know, I'm called to be a servant in the body of Christ and I want to be a blessing to your church. What are your needs in the church and how... Can I give myself for that? Well, in the early church, um, I always think of 1 Corinthians when they came to worship and they had worship problems and all these things. And Paul says something really together. Each time you come together, everyone has a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, a revelation, interpretation, and that went south. But there was an understanding in the church that there was a responsibility to bring something to the table. Let all things be done for edification. The mentality is how can I be a blessing to my neighbor and help them on the sacrifice and service of their faith through that service. The peril of the church today is that everyone comes and sits in the pews, voices complaints about what they like or don't like, Very little 
giving in the life of the church of sacrifice and then go home and expend masses, massive amounts of energy on efforts to preserve their lives. Massive amounts of time, energy, and money to preserve their own lives. And your whole culture sits and tells you to worry about it every day. Your whole culture tells you to get absorbed to save your life. When Jesus said, if you will save your life, you're going to lose it. What can I do? It's not really rocket science. Pure and undefiled religion is to visit widows and orphans in their need. Got a lot of people who have needs and who hurt. It is to be a servant when a newcomer comes among us and say, hey, I'm not worried about my seat. Come sit here in my seat or I want to sit with you. It is to take a meal to the afflicted. There's your Epaphroditus. It is to write a letter of encouragement. It is to invest yourself in the body of Christ who Christ died for. Look at the examples among us. I'm going to give maybe a few tonight. And one would be really mad. He knew I did this, but he's not here, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to talk about Dr. Godfrey for a minute. Raised, right? No story. Brought into the church in Alameda in the CRC by himself being invited to one of the events. The church enfolded him. Don't you see among us now, we're going to celebrate here in a few weeks, end of October, 40 years of service in this church. He hasn't been paid for that. He has given himself to teach you, to be a blessing to you. This energetic pastor among us, this servant, who has for years taught this Sunday school, in selfless act, because he loves God's word. And how much, you don't even realize it, how much he has been a blessing to keep this church in the truth. <laughs> and we just take that for granted. There's your Timothy. There's your Timothy. Now let's go to Epaphroditus. Should I just pick a dead one now? Because if I do a live one here tonight, somebody will get really irritated. We've had a lot of servants among us. You know, I could go through the servants that we lost over this last year and a half, and, and I'm not, they're all servants in their own way. To pick one is really difficult because it's not picking one over the other. Think of somebody like an Elko Brower or somebody of a, a, a Hybert Dimbor. Particularly, I think of Pete DeYoung. I miss seeing his joy in the gospel. I miss seeing him run around to the visitors that come in. The guy who, when I was in seminary, took me door-to-door evangelizing in this community, no matter who answered that door, he was not afraid. I miss that. I miss it a lot. You are just as important. You are being made into the image of Jesus. He is living. The Spirit resides in you. And his life is being 
your life is being remade to look like him. He came here, Jesus, not seeking his own. The interests to drink the cup of the Father's wrath for you. To come as a sacrificial lamb to serve you and to become a slave. To serve and give his life a ransom for many. And if you are his, then be assured he's recreating that mind in you. That being the case, on with it, you know? We see men and women lay down their life for their countries. Look at how much interest there is to give their life for a country. How much more should we for our king and his cause? It's not a monastic life. It's a life in the trenches that you enlisted in when you professed your faith. Not in the mountains, tops, but in the valleys. Shown to you today in the life of Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus, of which together all of that shows us the mind of Jesus. And that mind is yours. That's his gift. What is your place in the kingdom? You play just as important of a role, no matter who you are. Hear me. Go to your brethren. Serve one another with gladness. Serve the Lord and one another with gladness. And as Jesus said, when you do it to one of the least of these, I see it. You're doing it is unto me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a wonderful encouragement tonight from this text to be servants. Because we're earning anything, but because the servant saved us. Thank you for so rich a salvation and thank you for giving us real purpose. Help us to think more about how we can be a blessing to others, to think less about ourselves and more about loving you and your kingdom. Thank you for giving the body of Christ that we go through this together in this life, that we're not alone. And may the mind of Jesus fill this place in the Escondido URC. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, amen and amen. And then, of course, the uh, $10,000 question. Are you showcasing true Christianity? As you sit and listen in on today's broadcast, looking in at Philippians chapters 2, verses 17 through 30, are you able to look in the mirror and see some of those signs of true Christianity in your own life? You see, that is the hope and prayer as we come to you today here in Philippians chapter 2, showcasing these two men and the true Christianity that they expressed in their daily lives. It's our prayer that you are doing the same. Well, we are out of time today. We'll close today's program out. But look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies here in God's Word with Pastor Chris Gordon here on Abounding Grace. Questions, comments about the program, we always are delighted when you take a moment and reach out to us. You can do so by email, questions at agradio.org. Again, questions at agradio.org. Now, that may be the address, but you are more than welcome to send along suggestions, comments, praise reports, prayer requests, not just questions alone. Again, you can reach us at questions at agradio.org. 
You can learn more about us at agradio.org. Also listen to past radio programs. Again, that's agradio.org. Or call us, 888-504-8805. Again, that's 888-504-8805. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Visit our website for those links to the platforms that you like to follow. Again, agradio.org. And then, as always, we are excited when our listening audience comes alongside of us financially, prayerfully, to help support the radio program. This is a listener-supported broadcast, and we are able to reach most of the United States as well as North Africa through your faithful partnership with us financially and prayerfully. We look forward to hearing from you and trust the Lord to direct you along those lines. Well, have a marvelous weekend. Come back and join us Monday, won't you, as we continue our survey of Philippians. We move into chapter 3 and the first 10 verses, called to a life of Christian joy. Now, there is joy that the world knows, but you and I are called to a Christian joy. We'll take a look at the differences, how to appropriate it. That's coming up Monday. Until then, God bless. Abounding Grace is brought to you on this radio station by Abounding Grace Radio Ministries. Hi, this is Chris Gordon, pastor of the Escondido United Reformed Church. I'd like to invite you to our Sunday worship services at 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. on Sunday. We have two worship services, 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. We preach Christ and Him crucified with the goal that you would live in the joy of this comfort in the knowledge of the forgiveness of all of your sins. 1864 North Broadway is the address here in Escondido. We'd love to see you this Sunday.